And why do they sound like they're a 13 year old kid? I'm not going to answer that. I'm going to use Aaron Rodgers. I'm not going to answer that. Even if I knew the answer, I'm not telling you. Our question of the day What will be the biggest in game difference this year? This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. There are two Spencers in the studio right now. And Did I leave? The one sitting across from us is certainly the more swaggy and cooler of the Spencers. We can only, call D1 Spence. we can only try to get on that level. Yes, D1, <laughs> D1 Spencer D1 Johnson in the house. Spence, thanks for hanging out with us morning. Yeah, good to be here. I like to point out, me and Jerem. Hey. White 270s day. On the, the same, same stage. Hey, like, I, look, as well. I settled for the Vapor Max. Yeah, I mean, Apparently, I didn't settled. get the memo. You settled. Yeah. Well, I almost wore my black 270s, and yeah. now I'm feeling left out. Next time. Next time. <sighs> D1 okay. Spence. Right? What's, yeah. what's up? <laughs> he's, he's the swaggiest, <laughs> for sure. Uh, unbelievable performance from your team so last good. night. Yeah. Given what you dealt with last Saturday night and the disappointment that naturally comes from losing a heartbreaking game like that to St. Mary's, and you and I talked at length after the St. Mary's mm-hmm. game. We talked again last night after the LMU win. In your opinion, what was the biggest reason that you were able to come out as a team and do that and not go to a bad place? Yeah. Um, well, it's tough, man. We had two heartbreaking losses, like the Gonzaga one, the St. Mary's one were both heartbreaking, just those, those buzzer beaters. And I think the biggest <clears throat> thing that we were feeling as a team is like we are, we're right there. We're right there, and at some point, like the sun's got to come up, you know. Like we're we're right there, and if, if we hang in there and we keep working, and and we stay positive, we stay together, it's going to come up, and we're gonna like we're gonna get over that hump. And so it felt really good to actually like see that happen last night. How'd you guys keep the pedal down the whole time? Because beating LMU by 28 and scoring 30 more points than you did in LA. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredible performance. Totally, totally. That's a step we needed to take as a team. I feel like, you know, we've been up on some teams and then we kind of let them get back into it and it hasn't really gone our way. So it's a step that we needed to take where we have a lead and then we grow that lead. And I feel like that's something our team's been able to do all year where we're trying to get better and we are getting better, you know, every single game. So many aspects of this game are impressive. You just look at the statistics. Yeah. You out-rebound LMU by 11. BYU only turns the ball over seven times yeah. yesterday. Lowest turnover low. percentage against a D1 team. Like yes. What was uh, your favorite or, I guess, the most proud aspect of that game last night? I was the turnovers for sure. For sure. I mean, you look back at you know some of the losses that we've had against Gonzaga against San Diego State early in the year where we were leading, you know, a lot of the game. And it was the turnovers that just kind of like came back to bite us. So to have those seven turnovers was, I mean, 28-point win against a really good team. It's, uh, to me, it was a whole story. That was special. And now you get into a situation where <laughs> last night it's like, okay, if you lose, you're in like seventh. Yeah. If you win, now you're sitting in fifth, but it's a battle for fourth place yep. uh, tomorrow night. Pacific's a team that you beat by 20, but it's been a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're better. You're better. What are your thoughts on uh, round two with the Tigers? Uh, it's going to be tough. They're shooting the ball super well. They just barely beat, uh, I think it was Santa Clara, right? Yep. Yep. They, Last uh, week. Yep. I mean, they're scoring in the 90s consistently, so definitely. Which is weird for them. Yeah. Typically, they're a kind of grinded out team. Yeah, and they've been changing their lineup a ton. They'll have, you know, 
this dude start one game and the next game he's playing two minutes and like five guards. Yeah, sometimes. it's it's, it's yeah. super interesting. So we're definitely gonna have to be you know locked in on the scout and and just on defense because they're scoring the ball like crazy. And they shoot it well from three, but you guys really limited them in game one. That yeah. was a big deal. Yep. Yep. I just documented in detail that I'm all in on the scoreboard watching in the West Coast Conference. So I'll, I'll handle that for you and for the staff. <laughs> like I, I'm sending out tweets now through February of every team BYU fans should root for in the West Coast Conference to win to help BYU's go. status in the WCC. How much do you pay attention to what other teams are doing when you are in a race like this to get a better seed? Um, not a ton. Personally, not a ton. I'm sure our coaches are like super locked in on it. Um, Which relative is feeding you that info, though? Because someone uh, is, probably, right? Yeah, all of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, dude, Every I need to see one, the, yeah. the Santa Clara did move. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, but just, uh, just paying attention to who we have next. That's all we can take care of. And it's specific to get to six and five. Uh, you just talked about the matchup with the Tigers, yeah. for sure. How much do you enjoy a win like last night before like, you try and make the mental switch to Pacific? Um, I don't know. I'm still enjoying it. That felt pretty good. <laughs> Understandable. You, you won by 28. It. Let's let it roll. Let's let it carry team. over. Yeah. yeah. You wait until practice today, maybe? Yeah, maybe. Maybe I'll go, I'll go get some uh, Chick-fil-A from the Wilk. Just kind of <laughs> soak so it in a little bit, and then practice hits. It's game on. <laughs> and then, and then you should enjoy it, dude. Let's talk about your three-point shooting. Well, mm-hmm. your overall play, but, like, you're shooting, what is it, Tyson? 63%, I think, in league? 61.8. 61.8. That's why I asked Tyson. That's incredible in league from three. Mm-hmm. What is it about your shot right now that is going so well? Um, just not taking super tough ones. I mean, now wait a minute. Last night there was one that you were feeling. Yeah, it was a step back. That one was a tough shot. That one was. But a tough I don't shot. think you cared. No, because you no, were no, feeling no. it. Yeah, I tried my best uh, Damian Lillard impression. Just kind of a little step back to the right, let it fly. As soon as I let it go, I told the guy I was like, "That's cash." <laughs> And he, like, turned around and kind of looked at me, and I was like. Your body language said that. Like, when you put that one up, I was like, oh, he's, he's feeling it. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, just trying to, you know, shoot the ball the same way every time. Um, worked a lot. I know you guys have talked to Trevin. They call him the shot doctor. Yep. So I've worked a lot with him where we're, like, we're trying to find a pick a spot on the rim, just consistently shoot it right there every single time. Where is that? Which is the back of the rim. Okay. So okay. For the back of the rim. Um, we actually have this really cool – um, they call it Noah, and it's in our practice gym, and it tracks um, where your shots are are landing in the rim, and the depth that it also goes in. So we figured and the out arc and whatnot. Yeah, the arc and yeah. So we, so we figured out if you can get it between a certain percentage, um, it has the best chance to go in, and then it also like divides the rim, um, kind of like a cross, and it'll say like, hey, you're shooting 60% of your shots to the back left of the rim, and if you can move it, you know, to the back right you're going to go up, you know, 15 percentage points Whoa. or whatever. It's super, super detailed. Well, it's gone up for you like yeah, 15 percentage points. Exactly. Right? So I worked super close with Trev, and we figured out where most of my shots were, were uh, where I was missing. And we're like, okay, we're going to work on pushing it, you know, back a little bit and trying to get a little more arc. And clearly it's been paying off. That's awesome. One of the more entertaining aspects of my job on the sidelines is watching – the benches react to yeah. your threes specifically because everybody knows that you shoot the three well, all the opponents. And so 
Watching Randy Bennett lose his mind when St. Mary's that's all, lost that's, Spencer Johnson that's on the joyous floor. joyous for all of us. Let's be <laughs> honest. Very 500 win last night. Yeah, very entertaining. And then the same thing last night. Watching Stan Johnson just like, he doesn't have any hair, but he was like, <laughs> like really frustrated because they know what you're capable yeah. of doing. How do you continue to find open spots knowing that you're going to be keyed on and how can you use that to your advantage for your other teammates? Yeah, um, I was talking with Coach Fennell about this and it, <clears throat> he was like, hey, you're becoming a bigger part of, of uh, these team scouts. So he's like, you need to be able to, to mix up other things into your game where they're not expecting it, like throwing a back cut or um, you know, throwing a curl when you come off a screen. Just little wrinkles where he's like, it just keeps them on their toes just enough where when you do get that space, you just let it fly. Yeah, that, and that's important because uh, as you get better, yeah, you've got to evolve too, right? Totally. Um, when, it, when it comes to what's sustainable from last night, because, yes, you would love to play like last night every yeah. game. Let's be honest. That was, that was incredible. You hope to summon parts of that. What is sustainable from last night in the final six games? Um, I know I talked to Spencer about this last night, but it was Noah. When Noah dived on the floor, um, he, he did it a couple times. It was super yeah. early in the game. He, he dove on the floor, and he got that loose ball. I think that's something that's super sustainable. Like That, that got us feeling really good. Um, hopefully we can keep the turnovers low. You know, Coming to two feet when we're in the paint and just making a simple decision. Um, if we can keep that low, we can, we can keep winning those 50-50 balls. That will give us a really good shot. You had three teammates make a return after a one-game suspension yesterday, yeah. and clearly it had an impact. You just mentioned one of them, Noah Waterman, yeah. winning one of those 50-50 balls early to set the tone. Jackson Robinson hit a couple of big threes early in the first half. Atiki's length is a problem for opposing defenses. Um, what were you expecting from those guys coming out of a tough situation last night? Well, they're really good players, you know. So I was super excited to get them back because we need them. Like, we need them to win, and... And they came in and they played great. So super, super proud of them. Did you get to um, assess what shampoo and conditioner Kelly Lea Pepe uses at all? <laughs> like, did you get a whiff? The, the big man for LMU. I didn't. Maybe a little Irish Spring, but like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I could be off. Did it smell bad? Did it smell good? Was it uh, didn't smell? No. It wasn't great. It wasn't great. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to understand the majesty of that mullet until you experience yeah. it up close and personal. But the mustache, too. The mullet-mustache uh. combo is, like, <laughs> very strong. Yeah. Very strong. <laughs> who's that guy? Who's, who's the guy that has the best hair on the team right now on BYU's side? On our side? Yes. Uh... Maybe Braden Moore. Okay. Braden Moore. He's buzzed it. Well, yeah, he had so he had super long hair, and then one day he just comes in with a buzz cut, and everyone's like, "Be more. What do you? What happened? What are you doing?" And I don't know. This was a sad day when it, it was a sad away. day. Did he join the ROTC? What just happened? Yeah, yeah, he's shipping out for basic training tomorrow. <laughs> he's doing push-ups. What's going on? All right, Spence. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the Pacific game tomorrow. Huge yeah, good one. Good luck tomorrow night. Is your battle to get into fourth place? We'll continue the scoreboard watching for you. We'll try and limit the relatives' text messages to you about yeah, what's yeah, happening. You can't. You can't. That's. <laughs> it's just gonna. Happen. One game at a time. He is D1. D1 Spence. Spence. Um, Thanks for coming in. Let's go. Thanks, guys. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Big 12 bound are we. The schedule makes it feel 
a little more real, does it not? Having those nine conference games in place released officially by the Big 12. As always, what's trending presented by Bodyguards. Protection for a life worth living. Learn more at Bodyguards.com. Jerem, now that we have uh, almost had a full day to ingest and speculate on what it's going to mean and all of these games and, and how it shapes out for BYU, in a word, how would you sum up the inaugural Big 12 schedule for BYU? Exciting, man. Uh, we love a schedule more than we love the games around here. Remember? We, lo we love a good schedule. Is that still the case now that BYU's <laughs> back in a conference? It certainly yes. wasn't independence. Yes, yes. Yesterday was celebrated like it was a big win, um, <laughs> which it should be. This is exciting. It's a new era. I, I mostly kid, but this is a very exciting era. A few thoughts. Um, you know, I wasn't on the show yesterday. Now that I actually have a voice, I'm back on the show. Um, the Cincinnati game on a Friday, like – did BYU get to request, hey, we want a Friday game so we don't bump up against conference? Because in the Big 12, I would imagine you just have to do what you have to do. We'll talk to Tom Homo. Playing both Oklahoma and Texas, mm. just ensuring that you get both of them should they leave after one year, which sounds like maybe that's the case. We don't know that yet. Right now it's, it's two years, is awesome. Also, um, you know, four home, five road. Yep, okay, next year. Uh, BYU is scheduled to play two on the road next year um, in non-con. So still that six home, six road thing. I would like to be ready to get to that seven home thing. We'll talk to Tom coming up. Um, senior day being Oklahoma, just incredible, right? The longest road swing, like the balance of this is great. Sure. The longest road swing is two games at Texas and West Virginia. The longest home stand is two games, Iowa State and Oklahoma. We're not going to see what we've seen a couple of times where BYU just has to kill itself at the front end of the schedule. Now BYU has some balance. BYU's got a bye week at almost the perfect spot. My hope was like right in the middle after game six. It's after game five. Like, and, and it's three non-con the first two weeks, cer certainly tune-ups. So you can play a tough at Arkansas game. You can play two league games, take a breath, and then get ready for the next seven. Like I, I love how that shook out, whether that BYU had any say in that, which is probably not. I'm assuming the Big 12 is like, this is when your bye week is. It, it is what it is. I, I love that BYU is the only expansion team to play Oklahoma and Texas. That's just kind of a fun nugget. Um, and I love that BYU is going to get to play, continue to play an ambitious schedule, obviously, that goes all over the country. Arkansas, Kansas, Texas twice, West Virginia, Oklahoma. You almost feel bad for the West homies who have enjoyed BYU on the West Coast at some point. There's not a single game in uh, the Pacific time zone anymore. Welcome to Central time zone era of BYU football. Um, but it's, it's exciting, man. Like, this was a day we've waited for. We've joked about what's taking so long. We finally have it. We can kind of settle in. Also, I feel like it's manageable enough in terms of the competition to, to be able to do pretty well um, in year one. And, and you don't play a couple of teams in Baylor, Kansas State, UCF, Houston. Like, those are all, those are all tough uh, road trips and or games. So I think competitively it's good as well. Defined pretty well in wins and losses. Like, yes, BYU's going to make a bowl game. Like, they okay. can compete for eight. Um, yeah, somewhere in that six to eight range in year one. Obviously, anything sub six any year is a failure. But if you can sort of be reborn from that, great. But I think BYU has too much talent on this team to not expect at least six, if not kind of eight. And what if BYU goes crazy and they're way more ready than we think? And Jay Hill has this amazing situation on defense to where they push for more who knows yeah i set the over under at seven and a half and the schedule got released and i'm staying with seven and a half yeah i think that's fair byu in a word with this big 12 schedule has opportunity 
just great opportunity to host these teams, to make a statement that they belong in a Power Five conference. We're all kind of wondering how much these tougher independent schedules really prepared BYU for the 10 Power Five scenario. We think that BYU has an advantage over the likes of TCU and Utah, who had to make the direct jump from Group of Five right to Power Five. Now, because there has been this intermediary ground, it's like, okay, maybe BYU is a little bit more ready, and how will that manifest itself once BYU finally gets there? We're going to find out, finally, with 10 Power 5 games. I'm staying with 7.5 wins as the over-under. Opportunity is the word I chose. This is an A schedule if we are grading it. The only thing that would have made it an A-plus for me, and I am being super nitpicky here, is if BYU could have had the bye week maybe after TCU, so it's six games, bye week, and then six games, because they got to go on this really tough stretch from October 14th to November 4th, which includes three road games in four weeks at TCU, at Texas, at West Virginia, and then you got Texas Tech in the middle of that four-game stretch. That's it. That's the only thing I would have changed is maybe give BYU one more game before the bye week instead of making them have that really tough four-game stretch. And I would have liked to see Baylor on the schedule somewhere. I just think that that is a rivalry waiting to happen. There's already the elements that have been built up there. So I know probably why Baylor's not on the schedule, because BYU played them in each of the last two seasons, so it makes sense for the conference to be like, eh, we'll give them a break this year. Let's kind of work things out in a different way. And that's fine. So those are the only two nitpicky things I have about the schedules. Maybe a week later for the bye, break up that tough four-game stretch and, and, and give me Baylor. But all in all, great opportunity for BYU to go out and prove that, yes, the independents worked not only in getting BYU to the Big 12, but in preparing them to make the transition from a group of five team to a power five team that much better. We can always pick nets, right? We love that. Um, but yes, BYU will be more prepared. How will we know? They need to have better records than TCU and Utah did the first three years. No losing that's, records. That's the only way to ensure that you do it. Like, you aren't what you say. You're, you are what you do, right? Uh, and BYU needs to go out and do it. But um, And I'm cool not playing Baylor because we played them the last two years because maybe that ensured you played Oklahoma and Texas. Like, if that was the cost, easy, 100% right? I would take you yeah. take that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. No, this, this is going to be fun. This is going to be so fun. Though I don't call it an A myself. I haven't thought about the grade I'd give it. If Arkansas was like a bigger game, that, that one P5 non-conference, perhaps that would elevate this in my mind. But I don't need elevation in this first year. What I need is BYU to make a bowl game and compete and look like it belongs. You bring up an interesting point there. BYU sort of does BYU have to prove it sort of belongs in a P5 these first couple years? Because I'm feeling like, no, BYU's in. Like, what interesting? Do you, do you have to prove it? You're already in. But I see your point of, okay, you can't just be in the dregs of the league initially, and then it's like, well, why did we invite you? No, BYU belongs. They've been Power Five for a long time. We're talking decades. And now BYU has an opportunity to compete for a college football playoff spot should they pull off a TCU. Like, that would be amazing. Are we saying it's happening next year? Hey, that'd be incredible. Yes. Um, I, don't, I don't see it right now, but neither did anyone, including TCU, probably last year. I also love that BYU in November is going to be competing probably not for a conference championship in the first few years. Again, it's sports. There's no way you can plan for anything. Like people maybe, pick, but people picked TCU to finish last in yeah, the conference last year, and they went to the national championship. Crazy. You never know, but 
I do love that BYU will be positioning for bowl games that are better than anything that they have played in an independence. Yeah, and the we don't know what 12, it is. Yeah, the like, worst Big 12 exciting. bowl game is better than what BYU had in a bowl scenario yeah. in all of independence. Yeah. No, that'll Every be, win that'll matters. Be fun in November. That'll Every be fun. win matters. Okay, it's signing day, football, so let's get to who BYU's added today, and we start with a really good one. Again, you mentioned it. Top 300 guy, running back L.J. Martin out of Woo! El Paso, Texas, 6'2", 205, Cano High School, four-star, 37th best running back in the country via 247. Senior year, 21-37 yards, 23 touchdowns. Career numbers in uh, high school, nearly 6,000 yards rushing and 60 uh, touchdowns. Yeah. He originally committed to Texas Tech. Later, that was Stanford. That means when BYU beat Stanford in November, they didn't just win the game. They won <laughs> L.J. Martin as well as David Shaw resigned, right? Um, Big-time pickup for BYU. Going to compete for a lot of playing time initially, we think. BYU running backs coach Harvey Unga says Martin is an all-around back. L.J. Martin, uh, big, um, aggressive, Fast, um, super athletic running back. Um, excited to utilize him in the passing game. Um, has amazing hands and uh, definitely uh, an all-around back. Something that I'm looking for. Can't wait to get him over here. And LJ was not uh, joking around when he uh, was repping the Wyatt's announcement. This from uh, Colin Deaver TV. You see all the BYU swag and the flags and the balloons at his uh, announcement at his high school. Uh, my uncle, who lives in El Paso, happens to know LJ's family, says he's a great kid. He's been super excited about the possibility of LJ uh, going to BYU. And now he comes to the Cougars, another top 300 guy. So BYU got two in ESPN's top 300, joining Jackson Bowers, tight end out of Mesa. Jerem, 24-7 Sports has LJ with over 3,000 total yards of offense in 2021. This all sounds amazing. And 35 total touchdowns. <laughs> I, he's, Aiden Robbins is RB1, but LJ comes in and he competes to me at RB2 wow. on paper. Maybe really? he's good enough for RB1. Maybe he's Jamal 2012 to Michael Elisa right there. Who knows? Really solid pickup. On the other side of the ball, it is David Latu, six feet, four inches, 295 pounds, a defensive lineman out of Bountiful, Utah. Snow College and Bingham High School product. This is a guy that is being brought in to what the coaches say, compete and contribute immediately. This late signing day, if you're a JUCO guy, yeah, they're bringing you in to play right now. All-state player at Bingham, a three-star out of high school. He is a return missionary. Here is Sione Puha, the new defensive line coach at BYU, on Latu, not just being a one-dimensional player. Super excited to welcome David Latu by way of Bountiful High School and Bingham Miners coming all the way from Ephraim Snow College. Uh, big body, he's a guy that's going to be able to stuff the run but also put pressure on the quarterback. We're super excited about him. He's big, strong, physical, but he's also light on his feet. He's agile. He adds a nice touch to our defensive front that will help us stop the run and disrupt the pass. Defensive line is such a mystery for this BYU team. We feel like they have gotten better. And it was a major point of emphasis yeah. because BYU did not get nearly enough pressure on the quarterbacks and create disruptive plays last year. 
David Latu is a guy they feel like can come in and immediately help in that regard. Yeah, I, th- I think he was a preferred walk-on. This has changed to a scholarship. Um, and David's father passed away recently. Emotional scene from him mm. tweeting out from his father's grave that he's committing to BYU. So uh, really emotional scene for the, for the family. Excited to have him at BYU. It's going to be awesome. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. A special look in this whip around at the BYU 2023 Returned Missionaries. The Oh Yeah That Guy segment. They'll rejoin the team or have already rejoined the team, and it's presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's start with the RMs on the defensive side. Okay, they've been called to serve on defense. Uh-huh. Uh, Ty Burke, a defensive back. Raider DeMooney, Jack Sun. Standout wide receiver is going to be an excellent DB here. John Henry Daly, David Nixon's nephew, also related to Taysom Hill, Craig Bills. He's going to be a baller, 6'5", edge guy. Ace Kafusi out of Kahuku. Oh, we'll take every Kafusi that exists. And Peter Tuipolotu, Peter's son, uh, a DB. So good to have those guys back. All right, on the offensive side, on the line, it's Jake Griffin, a guy coaches are very excited about and making them think uh, the pipeline to the NFL will continue. We'll D- take 6'8 offensive linemen. That's how we roll here. 6'8, <laughs> 280, straight Brayden out of Kime, Mesa, Blake Arizona. Yeah. You got Devin Downing, the wide receiver. Baller. Uh, yeah, Baller. Oh, dude, absolutely. Chase Roberts, teammate at American Fork. Yes. You, I've talked to Chase about this guy. Very excited to have him on the team. Also at the wide receiver position, Koa Eldridge, mm-hmm. 6 feet, 180 pounds. Nukuluve Helu is at the running back position, and Marcus McKenzie, a defensive back slash wide receiver. We'll see uh, if Gennaro or Fessy wins that argument there. Yeah, it's a speed for McKenzie. His brother Dominique uh, still on a mission. We'll see him in a year. Yeah, and uh, McKenzie out of St. George, Utah. So Obviously Brian's son who played running back here. We love Brian. We love legacy. We a lot love, of, le- lot we of love legacy, legacy in this program, right? Yeah, keep it going. Oh, this is fun because we remember announcing these guys two to three years ago and being like, oh yeah, we'll uh, see him play yeah. in 2023 or 2024. Now yeah. it's here. Now they're here. Let's go. Cougar Whip Brown presented by Maris, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Now that Sean Payton is the head coach of the Denver Broncos, how long until Taysom follows? I give it two seasons, which I think is the amount of time left on Taysom Hill's current contract. He's through 25. Yep. So two more years. Two more years. Yeah. And then he's going to be in Denver. I agreed. <laughs> Jay Drew reports that Kelly Papinga says BYU punter Ryan Rico will return next season. Jerem. If he does indeed return, is he now once again the best player at his position on this team next season? Ryan uh, took a uh, little bit of a step back last year, okay. but uh, Ryan can certainly put himself in an NFL position if he performs up to snuff this year. Great player. Is that a yes? I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of transfers. I got to think. Exactly. About. So many transfers. Hard yeah, not to hey, lean towards like, like Aiden Robbins or Keaton. Johnny Linehan's freaking out. Watching punting highlights right now on the BYU side. Yeah. Okay, the big story today, though, that we buried until 38 minutes in. The rapper Young Boy Never Broke Again tells Billboard magazine he's planning on being baptized, remember the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Wow. Uh, to which Kyle Van Noy uh, tweets, Brother Young Boy, let me know if you need a witness. I got you. <laughs> Will Young Boy Never Broke Again? 
Be performing with Cosmo and the Cougarettes at halftime next season. We have to make this happen. Like, Ao and Tail was just a warm-up to... This to has this? to happen. Let's go. Like, he's got to be the next celebrity BYU fan. TJ Fredette, step aside. Kyle Van Noy's doing his part to bring him into the BYU fandom fold. we got to get Fred Warner involved. James the, the Mormon. NFL we guys. just keep going up. Let's just let's get him in. Let's get him involved. I'm not sure we can go much higher. Great. You know what's really cool about this? In all seriousness, he stated, and this came from an article that Jason Shepard sent to me, that he's like, I'm not going to do the whole violent lyrics thing anymore. Lyrics, yeah. I don't. I I'm not proud of that. I, I don't want any more of it. When you feel something, you change your behavior. You know? Really cool. We all need to feel that in certain ways in our lives. That's pretty cool. I love that. Brother, young boy. That's something being the Holy Ghost. We got you. We got you. Yeah. Love you on BYU Sports Nation. Let's go. (laughs) That's awesome. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We just showed you on screen the man who has captained and navigated BYU and the athletics department from independent status and a group of five now into a Power Five conference. He joins us live, Tom Holmo, the BYU athletic director. I feel like I should congratulate you now that the schedule has become official, you don't have to answer any more questions. Like, When's the schedule going to come out, Tom? It's out. When's next year's schedule coming yeah, out, Yeah, that's Tom? right. <laughs> hey, I like the look, by the way. You got like the Mr. Rogers sweater going. You got yeah. the blue pants. The, the sneaks are it's a big excellent. Day. It's a big day. I figured I'd get a little dressed up. Yeah, Let's go. It is yeah. a big day. Do you have some more time on your hands now that the schedule's out? Oh, man. I, <laughs> I knew the schedule long before you guys did. Of course. I knew a lot of the things that you guys are putting out there today. So I've already kind of passed that. Now I'm just anxious about the games. So I'll, it's I'm it's to, February. I mean, you guys are going to have to tell me about the schedule because all I know is that we got some big <laughs> games. And how much, did you, how much were you involved? Because it was all you pretty much as an independent now that it's in a conference. Right. It's very, very little. Um, your, your input into the, with the ADs. You're in a room with ADs, and it's not like you're in a scheduling room. You're basically looking at parameters. So the Big 12 had... Scott Draper, who's the VP over football right now, and they have some great veteran administrators, you know, Bob Berta, Tim Weiser, that can help with the scheduling. And then they employ also some gurus. So I just had, I just knew from experience that they would put together a schedule with 14 teams. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. And you have some parameters. So all I was able to say is, we gotta make sure we get general conference weekend off. And they gave us a Friday night game with Cincinnati. So was that them just being nice, or were they like, yes, we, we will honor that, and in the future as much as we can? Like, how does that work? Yeah, we asked that question before we got invited into the league. It was that important for mm. us. Is that, to have that Saturday open? Yeah, and, and it basically there's a number of ways that you can do it. One is the new broadcast partners, they want non, non-Saturday football games. And we raised our hand and said, we'll take them. You're still willing to play Thursday or Friday? I I think it's a little bit of a tradition with BYU Mm -hmm. that Friday night games or Thursday night games, you're the only team on TV. How long have we been doing that? Yeah. We've been doing that for a long long time. time. 30 plus years. And I think it's it's something that our fans are used to. I'll get some letters and um, evil uh, voicemails about how I'm driving from Southern California to the game and I can't get home on time. Um, on Friday night or Thursday night. But I think it's part of our tradition. The other part about it is you could have a bye. 
or um, or you could you know those are the two those are the things that we yep. ask for. Every team asks for something special that and they might not get it, but that's why it's so critically important that they wait until they get it right. And I, I think that with every time someone asks me, when's it coming? I always knew, look, it's going to come out, it's going to be right. And I think they did a great job. Yeah. So other than it just being right and BYU getting that Friday night game, what's your favorite part about the entirety of the first Big 12 schedule? You know, just looking at it and seeing <laughs> where's the breather. <laughs> you know, there's no more breathers. And, uh, you know, I say that in jest because we've, we've dissected these schedules for how long now? A long yeah. time. And even when we were in the Mountain West Conference, those non-conference games and where we played them and when and who, those were all factors. And now you look at those games and, like, I don't have anything to do with those, those nine games we're playing. Um, they're they're going to be on a rotation. The one thing that everybody is, understands is that Texas and Oklahoma, whether it's next year they'll be out or the year after they'll be out, there's going to have to be a new kind of schedule parameters because you take them out of it. There's some interesting things about Bedlam. You know, you got yep. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, and that's going to change. And there's Texas, Oklahoma. That was so much a part of the Big 12 schedule that's gone. There's a lot of factors that Cougar fans probably wouldn't see the nuance of it in a schedule. But as I listen in that room, like I'm like a kid now. I'm a new learner. I have to learn a whole new set of uh, traditions and um, great inspirational things that people feel from their own school. And it's cool to listen to Kansas and Kansas State and UCF and all the schools, West Virginia, what's important to them in the schedule. And it's not like who they play when, but just these, I can't even begin to tell you how many little intricacies there are. Um, regarding some of those parameters, was, was one of them that you'd never play more than two home or two road in a row? Is that a thing? Because I, I like that. You're never going to be overloaded either way. They always will try to do that. And in some, like in the, in the WCC, I think everybody tries to do that, but sometimes they'll come back and go, hey, we had to do this, but we'll rotate it next year so you won't have to do it two years in a row. So it might happen in the future. It could happen in the future, yes. Does BYU in the Big 12 Conference feel more real in any way now that the schedule is out and like things are starting to happen at a really quick pace? Well, I think it was real when we signed our name on the dotted line (laughs) a year and a half ago, and we've been preparing for this moment for a year and a half. But this, this is a kind of an integral part of what a season is. Everybody waits for the NFL schedule to see what those Monday night games are going to be. Just like everybody wants to see the college schedule. But, like, I'm, I'm literally – I love the show that we're doing today, but I'm thinking about the games now yeah. and those matchups. And you start thinking about not just the team, but how is our defensive left tackle going to do against their, left, their right guard? That's what I'm thinking about because that's, <laughs> that's players, the coach make, in you too, players right? make plays yeah. and, and it, go, it starts macro and then it goes micro. And when it comes time for fall, that's what Cougar Nation is going to be thinking about, those matchups, and I'm already there. Okay, obviously you have strived to make the best schedules you possibly could. There were some really interesting November games right here and there. But, <laughs> but to have November with at West Virginia, Iowa State, Oklahoma at, at Oklahoma State, Oklahoma on senior day, four P5s there. What, what does that sort of look like to you, given how hard it was to get those meaningful games in Independence in November? 
I think it's kind of the details of the overall um, conference affiliation. Uh, we've been talking about this for years. You've been tearing up my independent <laughs> schedules for 11 years, and now you like a schedule. That's hard hey, to believe. If I knew it was ramping up to this, I never would have said it, probably. <laughs> no, but I, I think that um, that November, you, you go into mm. there, and it, it's just what a, what a P5 schedule looks like. Yeah. I mean, everyone around the country right now, the ACC announced their schedule yesterday. I took a little glimpse at it. It's pretty similar. And everybody has tough games, and you try, to, uh, you try to look at blocks. That's one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm looking at blocks of games and trying to figure rest and strength and how, how you could kind of, like you're probably, you guys are thinking, is this a win or a loss? It's probably too early to tell. But, you, you know, some people are going, we're going to win it all. We're undefeated. And some people, I saw somebody that uh, tweeted at me, well, I see two wins, the first two <laughs> non-conference games. And I'm thinking, oh, it could be that way. But and and that's but that's sports, right? And I love the coach in you comes out a lot, which is great. And and the competitor of well, TCU was underestimated last year. There can be an overestimation. There can be an underestimation. But the point is, BYU's waited for this moment to have this challenge and opportunity. And now, as we've talked about, the ramp up of independence we feel has prepared BYU for this more than if you had jumped from G5 to P5. Do you feel that same oh, way? I don't. I don't think there's any question. I mean, it's been decades in the making. I think it's like the dream of Cougars from Lavelle's day till now. It's real. I think people feel it palpably on schedule release day. I didn't really anticipate that the schedule release was that big of a deal because every year there's a schedule and you're going to play the games. you got to play them. Yeah. But I get it. I get how it makes it a little bit more real. We almost love a schedule more than the games, it feels like. Like, the idea of the schedule is very exciting for Yeah. I guess for me, like, like these 11 years, I, I get tired of the schedule because I do it 365. <laughs> now I'm like, okay, someone else does it for me? <laughs> Fantastic. Okay, I got that. <laughs> How hard is it to cancel a lot of these games, by the way? Because you wrote into the contracts, right? If we yeah. get into a P5 league, we're... I mean, I, I, I have boy. to go give kudos to Dave Brown. I, everyone on the show knows yeah. that we couldn't have done independence without his help. Dave, obviously the guru of scheduling, and he, gave, he, he knew who was available and who wasn't and when you could play and why you could play and how you could get a game down the road. And if you do this, they'll give you that. That was miraculous. And, you know, I, I just think that, oh, man, that just all of that in the making, it seemed like a dream. Athletic director. Sometimes it was a nightmare. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, again, the, the athletic director has put up with all of that. Tom Homo is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We do want to ask you one more question about scheduling, not as it pertains to football, but the first sports that are actually going to play Big 12 games, women's volleyball and, and women's soccer. These are done, right? They just haven't been released? Yeah, I think that they have been, been working on them for the same period of time. It's a different group. But I think you have to understand that when you're looking at a football schedule now, a football game in any one of these cities now or towns overtakes the town, overtakes the city, yeah. the hotel, and everything. And it's not like a West Coast conference where soccer and volleyball don't have to put up with football. So now that soccer and football schedule or soccer and volleyball has to be predicated on football because you can't, I'm not going to say you can't, you don't really want to be in town when you're having a home football game. Interesting. And so that's why those are waiting just to make sure that all those little nuances of the football, now they have to go through with a fine tooth comb 
with um, volleyball and soccer and make sure that there's not too many conflicts with the big with the big boys. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Now it is our pleasure to welcome in the head football coach, Kalani Satake, into the Cougar Council Room, part of Studio B. Kalani's dressed like it's zero degrees out there, which it basically is. <laughs> like, it's, it's cold, man. Whenever you have the double hoods, you know, you just got to be careful. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it'll pass. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine. This too shall pass. We need it to pass so we can get ready for spring. Exactly, but that's why you have an IPF too. That's right. We all in felt warm inside when the Big 12 schedule yes, was yes, we did. revealed yesterday. Yes, we did, Anchor Boy. It was, yes, we it did. was very exciting, and it's still exciting. Uh, almost 24 hours after it's been released, Kalani, what do you think of the inaugural Big 12 schedule for BYU? Well, it just seemed like uh, when we first got invited to join the conference, it seemed so long ago, and so you just knew that it was coming, but uh, just didn't, didn't really plan on it because we, we had so much to accomplish before then. And so now that we're here, sitting here in February, and seeing about the right timing for us to see it. And I, I can, you can feel the energy and the excitement from everyone, not just the fans, but even from the players. And the workouts yesterday was really nice. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think this is going to be a you – know, it, it's given the guys a really big boost of energy because now they see the, the schedule kind of sort itself out. And it's not as, uh, as all over the place like it used to be. And I, I give a lot of credit to Tom and the administration for making – the independent schedules work, but now uh, there's going to be some f familiar faces, and, and these are still new places to a lot of us, but I know um, I, I want to show off our fans, man, at home, and I can't wait for, for when you see the press release and the way they released it with the conference, a lot of the stuff they had was, was of, our, of our, our stadium, and so yeah, I'm excited for our fans back you know, here at home to, to represent and, and, and bring the noise, and then obviously I'm excited to see our fans out on the road and represent like they always do. Yeah, on that note, it was interesting to see Oklahoma fans and Cincinnati fans saying, like, I know where I'm going. I'm going to I'm Provo. Going to Provo yeah. I'm going to Provo. No, That's going to be my one trip. A lot of social media buzz about that. You, you mentioned all over the place. Do you like the balance of this? Like, you're never on the road more than two games in a row. You're never home more than two. Got a bye week after week five. Yeah, I, I really didn't care how it was going to shape up. I mean, I, I figure that there's going to be some teams that we're, we're not going to play, and then there's going to be – you know, the, with the nine conference games, you're going to have either five at home and four on the road or, or, or vice versa. And yeah, it, it works out perfectly for us. We, we just want to play the games and, and start uh, getting organized and, and, and knowing who's on our schedule for the entire, the entire season. And, um, yeah, I, I just I, I like the, 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 the matchups and just got to get our team ready. And I, I think we're on a, on a good start. Okay, you said you didn't really care. You, so you didn't want Texas and Oklahoma in your what? Because you got them both, which is exciting. Did you want both of them? Yeah, now that they're on there, of course, yes. Just in case, right? They bounce well, you, after a year? You knew what the, what the um, you know, you looked at the options and you say, okay, which ones are we not going to play? And, and that's not our decision. But uh, now that the schedule's there, I'm, I'm happy. I'm really excited about the way it shapes up and have a bye in the middle of the season. Uh, after the you last, like that spot? Yeah, after the last two years of having it, you know, after week 10, it's just something different, something new. I think we'll, we'll take advantage of it. Let's say we're able to, you know, work, put some science behind it and see how to prep the guys for the first phase and the break and then to finish it off, you know. So uh, I think um, for, for the organization of it all and, and planning, I think it, it's, it sets us up really nicely. Now, while the schedule has certainly become the headline because it's new and it's fresh and everyone's excited about it, that does, in a way, take away from today's signees. But we're going to do our best 
to give these guys the credit that they deserve because these are players that are going to help you in these future Big 12 schedules and make some big plays. So let's start with the signees we just announced in the late signing day on February 1st, running back L.J. Martin out of El Paso, Texas. What do you like most about L.J. and what he brings to the running back's room? Oh, he's a beast. And, and the guy breaks big-time runs, breaks tackles, makes cuts. And so he's physical but very active, and, and, and he has fluid hips and great vision. And you can see in the highlights that he – he has, he breaks tackles and he cuts and he's got some speed. So he, he's a big play waiting to happen. And uh, we have a rookie out there playing for Atlanta, you know, that, that, that had a similar style. And I think he's, he's a big back at high school that I think he'll, he'll develop into being bigger. But I, I look forward to seeing him in his freshman year and, and being here this fall. I'm excited for it. I joked that uh, you won twice versus Stanford uh, in November. Getting him is, is a big-time get. And then David Latu on the defensive line. You guys have really invested in the defensive line in this recruiting class. And this feels like uh, you found a scholarship for David, which is exciting. Yeah, and, and, and you know, to David's credit, he started picking up a lot of attention, a lot of P5 attention and offers. And, and um, we, were, we were fortunate to have him uh, over the weekend for a visit. And, uh, once, once the recruits come here, whether they're PWOs or walk or, or, or scholarship guys, uh, they can see the the vision for themselves being here and the, them being a part of the program. And, and once they're around the fans, I mean, it, it's it's uh, you know they, they talk about the basketball game and how exciting it was being the game, even though it didn't work out the way we wanted. But the, the energy and the excitement from the Rock and the other fans that were there, and how awesome everybody was, knowing who were, who was visiting, and so. Uh, that, that's a very educated fan base and people that know that we, we need good players and uh, David fits the bill and, and he's he's a great player. I mean, he's disruptive and we need guys like that at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, Sione Puha and Jay Hill and uh, Justin Anderson have all talked about David specifically and kind of said, like, we, we expect this dude to come in and make an impact immediately. What's a fair expectation for him? Well, whenever you go to JC's, I mean, and... and, and um, you know, we, we're, we look forward to them and, and guys from the transfer portal to be in the mix right away. And so um, that, that's, that's the, uh, you know, they bring a little bit more experience and maturity. And so uh, having him in there is going to be going to be a big plus for us. And the competition will, will be will be raised and, and, you know, we play the best. And so you got to win your spot, but feel good about him entering the team and being part of our culture and our family. We're really excited about him being, being on, on the D-line. And his father passed away recently or something? That's right. And, and, and um, a little over a month ago. Mm. And, and uh, you know, this is where his dad wanted him to be. And so it, it was a really emotional visit, but really cool for me as head coach to see how, how close he was to his family. And yeah. he had a number of family members here on, on the trip and, and his mother and, and sisters. And so I, I think uh, it, all, it all worked out, you know, the timing and everything. And, and uh, here we are. But in addition to that, we have a bunch. I, I'm really happy with a, with a preferred walk-on group and, and you know NCAA rules doesn't allow us to speak about them specifically but I feel really good about this group we've had some really good PWO groups in the past uh, there's guys you know that, that, that have been drafted from being a PWO and Tyler Algier and Dax Mill exactly, notably exactly yeah. so we and, and we have Big a time. I feel just as good about this group of, of PWOs as I as I have about that group and so really looking forward to adding those guys the pieces to the to the team and then also you guys do a great job of covering the guys coming from the transfer portal and so uh, it seems like we've been covering quite a bit since December to now. You guys have had. Hey, we have a daily show. We really appreciate it. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So, be, be, with all that, and you know, with all that being said, I mean, the, the guys, it's, it's good to talk about LJ, and it's it's, it's good to talk about, you know, Latu, and and so we'll, we'll see uh, we'll see what else we can add to to the mix in the next little bit with a 
transfer portal happening again in May and and uh, what else when people start figuring out who else and and what, what other things we are able to do um, after spring ball. Kalani Satake is with us on BYU Sports Nation, the head football coach at BYU. Let's talk about the return missionaries. We just went through the 10 mm -hmm. uh, names on the list, five on offense, five on defense. Um, I, I want to start with Raider Damuni because BYU fans and certainly his father, Jack, who's a big part of the program, are excited about what Raider is, is going to bring back. In his situation, because he has so recently returned, what's the, what's the preferred timeline for a player like Raider? Yeah, I think the key is to, you know, be smart in, in the return. And, and, and I, those are sort of missions. You, you, you think you can do it um, just jumping off a bike and, uh, or walking around in your Doc Martens. You think you can come in here and put on, <laughs> put on your Nike cleats and run just fast as you used to. But uh, it's, it helps having a lot of guys that have served missions on our staff, on our coaching staff, support staff, and even in our strength room. And so uh, we will work closely and, and specify our workouts uh, for the return missionaries and um, that's why you have the sports scientists involved that they can they can they can specialize their workout so that it's not you know a return missionary at, at the line of scrimmage at o-line and d-line different than raider de mooney playing safety and so uh depending on and also where they serve their mission you just don't know if they're stateside or if they're were able to have access to working out in the mornings or not and uh the the missions vary so you have to take that all into account and and devise a plan to get them ready. And, and getting them ready means by the time we hit fall camp, not spring ball. And so spring ball, you probably, they'll probably be a little frustrated, but we have to you know, hold them back a little bit from going full go. But uh, the goal is to get them ready to, 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 to let it fly when we get to the season. Are kids still wearing Doc Martens right now? I think that's a reference. It's come to back. You, it's, it's cycled it, back. Am I like that sure. old school that no, I don't no, know? It anymore? has cycled back. Has it? Okay, yes. I was just wondering. Okay. I want to learn because Doc Martens is what we wore yes. on our mission for sure. What's the new shoes then? I guess I should start. I don't know, dude. No, no, no. Well, like you're, you're right. It applies doesn't, doesn't, now. It just, applies. Just, it went away and it's back. Get some Nike shoes that look <laughs> professional as missionaries and wear them. They'll, they'll, they'll last you. Can the, the church get a Nike deal? Is that what we're trying to get here? Um, regarding Probably Doc Martens over <laughs> Nike's the way to go, guys. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Victories before the actual games and Jerem and I talked about this yesterday, but the general excitement about a BYU football schedule is very real, perhaps more real than ever, with the first Big 12 rundown. It's like a temple announcement for BYU football fans. <laughs> That's what the schedule is. <laughs> yeah! Jerem, as you look at the Big 12 schedule, you told me your favorite things yesterday, and we talked at length about that. Yes, but Julie Andrews. if you had to pick a victory before an actual victory, just in the construct of the schedule for BYU, what is it? Um, it's hosting a Power 5 team in November for the first time ever. BYU's had great Power 5 games in Provo, never in November, and now BYU's going to have two with Iowa State and Oklahoma, which is pretty cool. In 2013, BYU went to Wisconsin and Notre Dame, um, but BYU's always had to be the team that went on the road. Now you actually have them at home which is pretty exciting. Uh, point two there. Getting both Texas and Oklahoma is a win. We don't know when they're going to bounce. We don't know if BYU is going to get to play either of them, let alone both, in year one, and that's exciting. At Texas, I don't think BYU fans feel, based on uh, you know how uh, 2014 went, that that's an overwhelming game. Kansas has gone in there and won within the last years. BYU certainly did it. BYU competed in 2011, lost by one there. 
that's a game BYU can go in and compete well and perhaps win. There's a weird thing for Texas fans with BYU. Absolutely, there should be. There should be given how crazy 13 and 14 were. Those were blowout BYU wins. Of course, thanks to Taysom Hill. Uh, and then the balance I talked about. I, I just love the fact that you never, you never away from them too far or, or too much. There is a three of four on the road spell, but a bye breaks that up. So it's actually three in five weeks, which isn't crazy. Um, so those are three things that stick out in terms of wins outside of the games themselves. For me, the home schedule altogether is a massive win. Again, we're talking construct of the schedule, yeah. but the home schedule altogether, because athletic director Tom Homo told us yesterday, we made basically one main request, the nuance of, got it. can you give us a Friday night game or even a Thursday night game on conference weekend? And the Big Love 12 it. accommodated that. Apparently no issue right there. And in comes Cincinnati. I love the matchup with Cincinnati. In fact, I said I would like Cincinnati to be BYU's first Big 12 game. It's not the very first, but it is the home opener. And we've done this before, Friday night with Cincinnati. Yes. We, we have done this uh, in 2015, I want to say. A Friday night under, I mean, just what we are assuming going to be beautiful weather conditions in late September. Yeah, this will be amazing. It will feel electric. The Big 12 home opener. The yes. First, yeah. On a yeah. Friday night at Lavelle Edwards Stadium against awesome. a very interesting team. Cincinnati is the one group of yeah. five team that solved the college football playoff formula and made their way in Yep. It, two years ago. Yeah. They had an all-time team, but they've maintained. They're a really, really good program. I, I'm intrigued by that matchup. I think that's super favorable under the Friday night lights. I like Texas Tech to break up what I think is the most critical stretch for BYU between October 14th and November 4th when you mm -hmm. have the three road games and a four-game stretch. But to your point, it creates some balance by throwing Texas Tech in there on October 21st. And then, yeah, the meaningful November games with Iowa State on November 11th and senior night against Oklahoma How awesome is on that? November 18th. That's great. Like, if you could have picked any team to play on senior night, like Texas probably would have been pick number one. But I'm thinking Oklahoma would have been pick number two there. That's just beautiful. And you look at the November schedule, two West Virginia. Shout out to my sister and brother-in-law who live in Peterstown, West Virginia. They will be at that game. Iowa State coming in. Uh, more on that uh, coming up with LJ Martin. He's got a, uh, a friend that plays for Iowa State, a safety there. And then Oklahoma, of course. And at Oklahoma State, who sort of, once Texas and Oklahoma leave, they're sort of the uh, power broker at the table. They, they're one of the more powerful voices there. Mike Gundy is a tenured voice. That long mullet is also tenured on the back of his head. Like, that's a team that BYU sort of has to, like, okay, they probably are the best team in here. I know TCU just went to the playoff, but I'm talking, like, over the last decade or whatever in the Big 12. Oklahoma State's sort of the, the next big dog to sort of be like, all right, got to go through them quite a bit. Mike Gundy is a man, and I think he's 56 now. Yeah, um, you and I are more like Mike <laughs> Gundy when he said that than what he is now, yeah. Other victories as it pertains to just the schedule layout. We've put a ton of emphasis into November, and we should. That is an yeah. unbelievable turnaround for BYU based on what they typically had in November home schedules. Hosting Idaho State or Southern Utah on senior day in cold, snowy pro Live on BYU TV. That goes, that goes away, by the way. No BYU TV games. That, that's over. That's over. That's done. It's a great run. But if it's giving that up to get Iowa State and Oklahoma yeah, no question. 
in a Power 5 conference. Freaking cares about doing the <laughs> SEU game. Yeah. Zero opponents play BYU off of a bye. That's a little That bit is an, an interesting one. Harrison Collier right? looking that one up. BYU's got TCU after their own bye. So th- that's interesting. Yeah. Hey, Winter. the team that went to the national title game. A favorable September. Kansas, not a world beater. Good team on the rise under Coach Leipold. Be 3-1 and one after four games. And feeling good. Going That's into the, the home opener against Cincinnati at 3-1 and one would that be something. That you hope to win right? and be 4-1 and one in race. Yes. That's the, the hope. The timing of the bye is nice. Yep. Yeah, th- so there are a lot of good things. Yeah. Are there any losses? Real quick, any a single loss in the schedule. We talked about wins. Any like, losses? Like guaranteed, like, like, whoa. No, 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 no. I'm talking as it pertains to the construct of the schedule. Oh, I don't think so, right? I think no, it's all No, I, I was good. nitpicky. I said I yeah. wanted Baylor because I like the rivalry going yeah. on there. And maybe the bye week a week But back. not a loss, just no, a one. No, no yeah. absolutely. I think generally no loss there. Okay, um, we're not talking about wins and loss of the schedule, just to be clear. <laughs> don't be an idiot. Uh, topic two. Monday, former Cougar Travis Hans came on the show and said the following about BYU men's basketball. With what they have, what they're able to – uh, performance wise, get out of this squad year after year, or the squads they've had, has been remarkable. So I think they've overachieved from from where they're at. Sorry, what? Um, okay, it's <laughs> I almost can't say it with a straight face. Uh, is BYU men's basketball overachieving, Spence? I picked BYU to go 19 and 12, and they are probably a game under in terms of what they're pacing for. They're probably pacing for 18 and 13 in the regular season. Yeah. So yeah. I can't back away from what I initially expected them to do. No, I – You can go I, down a game. I don't think BYU is overachieving. I do think that they are playing hard and they are in every game. They have been in games with Gonzaga and St. Mary's closer than I expected them to be in those individual games but still come up on the short end. And then they haven't competed well in games against Santa Clara and San Francisco and looked marginal against LMU in that road game. Of course, the loss to South Dakota is just an absolute head-scratcher. Oh, yeah, so that one's terrible. They've had their moments, and I expected it to be like this, where you're going to win some games, and you're like, how in the world did they win that game and play that well? Utah, Creighton, come back from down, what, 25 against Dayton, was it? <laughs> or 22? I don't know. Something crazy. Right? So you're like, whoa, how'd you do that? Anything against someone in Dayton or against Dayton, we just expect a big comeback. <laughs> yeah, it's just Unless wild, it's right? Unless it's Ole Miss 2015. Dayton should have known. Not over that Dayton one. Dayton should have known. Not over that one. And then, again, the just, huh, performances against South Dakota, and they looked like they were sleepwalking on the road trip to the Bay Area, especially against San Francisco after the, the loss against Santa Clara. Yeah. And so this team is exactly what I thought they would be. And we let them off the hook? And maybe even a game underneath, ultimately, what I picked them to do. So that's not to say that the coaching staff is not just digging in deep to sure. film and working hard. Like I, love the, I love the staff. Absolutely. Yeah. But overachieving, no. If this, game, if this team was pacing for 20 or more wins, then I would say, yes, they're, they're overachieving. But right now, no. you, you got to beat LMU. you got to do something special here in the back half of conference play to overachieve. It's an interesting thought, but no, BYU's not overachieving. If you believe BYU's overachieving, then that means they underachieved in recruiting because then the players aren't good enough. Like, if the staff is summoning great, greater performances than the, sort of the roster is, which is what it feels like Travis is saying, then that means the roster isn't good enough. That means BYU didn't recruit well enough. 
And let's be honest, Rudy Williams, Jackson Robinson, Noel Waterman have shown some real flashes of brilliance. We just haven't had that sort of consistent clip from those three that we thought was going to be a contribution at a certain level. And any time you start a true freshman off a mission that isn't top 35 like Colin Chandler, like we expect Colin to come in right away and be a guy, Dallin Hall's been uh, really, really good in a lot of games this yeah. year. They haven't been in a couple games. He's had a lull. I, I talked about January. He's probably going to have a little, little dip, and he did, right? But then he rebounded with an amazing performance versus St. Mary's. So there, there's a couple of things coming into the season that we knew were issues. BYU had two bigs. That's it. Walking into the year, that was going to be a problem. Surprisingly, BYU's been pretty good rebounding, pretty good defensively. In spite of that. So that's to the credit of the staff and the players. Absolutely. But certainly BYU's underachieved overall with a couple of numbers. Let's look at them. Right now, this is the second worst Ken Palm since 06 that BYU has right now. Um, worst offensive rating since 05. 95 in net's not great. Um, but defensively, 28th is awesome. Uh, that national rank, not the metric number itself, but the national rank of 28th is the lowest since 2012, or highest, you could argue. Yeah, the defensively. best. The best. The best, which is, which is good. There's good and there's bad, but to say is overachieving, then you have to acknowledge the roster isn't good enough then. You can't have all the good things there. So, yes, BYU walked in with a roster that wasn't as talented as the last three years. And have they competed well and tried hard sure. and almost be – Yes, but competing well and trying hard is not good enough at this school. This school goes to NIT or NCAA tournaments. Right now, BYU might make the NIT. They're on the NIT bubble. Which is a weird thing. I don't want to track NIT bubbles. I don't waste my time with that garbage, okay? <laughs> they got people that are actually doing that for us. Yes, me. other people will do that. I don't want to look <laughs> it up. No, I talk about tourneys or not, right? So certainly BYU tonight is a big game in that regard because you've got to beat LMU at home. LMU has been a really good team in the league. 16-7, and seven, winners of four in a row, took down Gonzaga, Third place. beat BYU. Like, they're in the spot BYU wants to be in, which is that three seed. There's no, I don't see any way BYU gets the three seed. I'm hoping BYU can somehow scramble and get yeah. the four seed. Maybe the five. I feel like BYU sliding into the six or seven at this point, and that just feels terrible. Seven I, I games. BYU is certainly capable of better. Let's see it. But they are who they are at this point, and uh, they're going to put up a good fight, and hopefully they get a couple bounces here or there against the teams that aren't Gonzaga and St. Mary's, especially at home. Seven games remaining in West Coast Conference play. If this team wants to overachieve, you probably have to go six and one in the back seven. <laughs> Which is just... That means you're winning in Moraga You have or to Spokane. win either, yeah, on the road in, I, at Gonzaga or at St. Mary's. I'm not worried about those two. I'm worried about the other five. Five and two would be remarkable. Then you finish with a winning conference record. Five and two is too much to ask. Even I think four and three is a realistic... Ambitious, in interesting stuff. Yep. In Travis's defense, BYU's coming off that St. Mary's game where they absolutely in the construct of the... the like, like as you look at just that individual game. They overachieved in that game. Yeah. With three guys down. The season but is again, a whole. losers talk about margin. Winners talk about winning. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. 
It's not every day we get to interview a four-star running back, and we're keeping him at four stars, regardless of what these other rating services have done since he's been to BYU. Yeah, they're inconvenient. He is four stars. This is one time where television really fails to capture the true excitement of a large squirrel predicting the weather. (laughs) He didn't see a shadow, by the way. Oh, wait, he did see a shadow. He did, so six more weeks of uh, winter. But it's going to be summer when LJ Martin shows up at Mm -hmm. BYU in June because this guy's a baller, ESPN Top 300 Guy, number 17 running back in the country. BYU got him. BYU got him. I talked to him earlier this morning about his decision to become a Cougar. LJ, we've seen some really nice uh, signee videos in the past, but uh, this is up there because you had all the BYU swag at the, uh, uh, at the assembly with uh, your high school, and this is what it looked and sounded like. Brigham Young University. <laughs> It was like a grand reveal. Shout out to my uh, Uncle Connell there who provided some flags uh, for that event, which was awesome. But what was that moment like for you? Um, It was just surreal. You know, it was just, um, you know, I finally got to make the announcement that I'm finally a BYU Cougar, and it was just a blessing. Um, It was just really exciting for me and my friends. You know, we've never really been part of something like this, so I just wanted to make sure I got them to be part of it and things like that. So it was just really fun for all of us, and we were all happy. You signed in December, but kept it a secret until yesterday. How'd you keep that a secret? Um, it was pretty hard. You know, you had people <laughs> asking, you know, like, where are you going and stuff like that. Sorry about the bell. I'm at school right now. But, you know, you just had people asking you and you're like, hey, you know, I would just had to, you know, wear a little bit of my uh, Stafford stuff that I already had. So, you know, and then once I was able to sign, I was all happy because, you know, I got my bag. I got my own uh, little shirt right here in my hoodie so you know I was just really excited and you know it was just something I was able to do because it's not like I was trying to go around telling everyone you know like not bragging but it was just once it happened I was finally able to let everyone know. Talking to LJ Martin who can keep a secret uh, here on BYU Sports Station. Walk us through the timeline of originally committing to Texas Tech later at Stanford. BYU plays Stanford beats Stanford. David Shaw resigns. Mm -hmm. Um, great coach at Stanford, of course. And then your life changes. Kind of walk us through the timeline there and then how BYU entered and, and how you figured out it, that BYU was the spot for you. Yeah. Um, sorry about the bell there again. Hey, but, all good, um, man. You know, You're in a high school. It's normal. <laughs> yes, sir. But, um, you know, we uh, what happened? So I had started talking to Coach G from Stanford since, uh, I would say, last January. And, you know, we had been talking since then. And, you know, I had been talking to Texas Tech as well since then because since McGuire got the job and, you know, they came down in April, they came down to the school and they kind of, um, you know, they had told me if I um, wasn't going to commit and they're my number one at the time. But if I didn't commit, uh, my offer would have been pulled. So we went ahead and committed because we felt like that was was best at the time. And then I was still in close contact with Stanford. They offered later in May and then. You know, I finally got into school there. And once I got into school, I was like, that's where I want to be. I just took in the official visits as well. So once I got into school there, I was committed and I was set for that. I was supposed to graduate early in the 10th Stanford in uh, June. I mean, not June, but January for the early enrollees. But once Coach Shaw got resigned and stuff like that, that was my last high school game. So I played my last high school game 
that weekend on the Saturday. And then he resigns later that Saturday. So it was just like a pretty bad Saturday, I would say. But it was actually a blessing in disguise because, um, you know, like a couple of days later, uh, BYU reaches out, Coach McDaniel, Coach Harvey, they reach out, they offer. You know, I have them in my house a little bit. Um, just talking to them, they seem like great people. And then uh, I went on the official, met some other recruits, like the running back room, Chris Brooks, those guys. They, I just had a great time with them. And then, um, you know, I just ended up committing because I felt like that was the best place I needed to be. You know, Coach A-Rod, Coach Kalani, all those guys just felt like great people, genuine people, and I felt like I'd be taking really good care of there. That was a quick timeline. Uh, what was it about BYU mm-hmm. that made you feel like it was the best spot for you? Um, it was just relationships, I would say. Um, you know, Coach Kalani feels like a genuine dude. You know, I just really enjoyed my time there. Um, Coach Harvey, I mean, he's another great dude. They just felt really stand up. They're honest with me throughout the whole process. And then along with that, I had a great time with the other recruits like um, Ryder Burton, the guys his quarterback, uh, Sani who just signed in my class, um, you know, he, I had a great time up there with them and stuff like that. CLA, you know, they're just really cool dudes. And I was like, this is something I really want to be a part of. And that's what made me ultimately come to the decision. We're talking to LJ Martin out of El Paso, Texas, ESPN top 300 recruit here on BYU Sports Nation. I'm looking at your stats and they're just monster. Nearly 6,000 yards in uh, high school and 60 touchdowns. What was it about your high school experience that led to so much success, and how would you describe yourself as a player? What type of running back are you? Um, I would say I'm more versatile running back. I'm just trying to help my team win. You know, if it's coming out the backfields, you know, catching passes, running the ball, blocking, I'm just trying to do everything I can to win, you know, even if it's splitting out wide. But I would say what led to my high school success is just wanting to play the game. You know, I was – um. I was a freshman on JV because I was uh, on the wrong field at the time. I accidentally went to the JV field instead of the <laughs> freshman field. So they just stuck me up there, so that worked out nice. And then I had like five touchdowns one game, and they just ended up moving me up to varsity, and I did pretty well. I was a little bit of like a slot receiver. That's what I played. And then my sophomore year was COVID year, so, you know, it was just a awkward year played one game in like October it was our first game and our starting running back at the time he had fumbled like the first snap so then he put me in coach and you know he gave me basically the whole drive and I ended up going down scoring a touchdown and after that he pretty much just gave me a full country you know would give me the ball most of the time in the offense and I just really appreciate that from him um you know it just felt like belief in me and then after that it was just hard work after that and yeah, that's really it. Just having Coach believe in me, just putting in that work, and it all worked out. So if you want to be somewhere, you just physically go there. You just show up on the JV yeah. field, and then they'll put you on the JV. Yes, I, I love that. That's great. Well, that's great. Yes, um, okay. You just don't pay attention. Or, yes, or just don't pay attention. Just luck into uh-huh. it. But you get, you had to perform, which is awesome. Okay, BYU's yes, going to the Big 12. You're a kid in Texas here. Mm-hmm. BYU's got a couple of Texans on the team. Keanu Hill is one of the more notable ones. What role did BYU going to the Big 12 have in your decision, if at all? Um, you know, it had a little bit of a dis, uh, a factor, but it really didn't, um, you know, because at the time you guys were independent and, uh, 
I mean, you guys are playing like basically a Power Five schedule already. You know, you guys play Power Five worthy opponents. Like um, you guys had Notre Dame last year. You know, you had Stanford on there. I remember that one and a couple of others. But you know, you guys already played Power Five opponents, so it really was like you guys were a Power Five school, just not in the conference name, if that makes sense. Tell it felt for a while, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yes, sir, it definitely was a plus. Just saying, you're able to play Power Five, and you know. Big 12, but yeah, it really didn't have much of a factor, but yes, sir. Hey, BYU visiting Texas a couple of times this fall and uh, in the future is certainly mm-hmm. awesome for the family, which will be great. Uh, BYU's Just, had some real success in the NFL with running backs recently, most notably 2,000-yard rushers, Jamal Williams with the Lions, mm-hmm. Tyler Ogier with the Falcons. Uh, what role, if any, did that have on your recruitment, knowing that BYU's putting guys in the NFL and having success? Oh, that had a big role in my recruitment because it just shows, um, you know, they really – you utilize the position and, you know, they know how to develop their guys there. You know, I know Tyler Algier was a walk-on there, so it just shows that they know what they see in backs and you was just able to just extra confirmation of why I should go there. You know, they're going to have a great old line, you know, as they always do. And, um, you know, just if I could get back there behind those guys and they're going to develop me, help me make me the best player I am. So I just felt really comfortable making that decision. Okay, uh, Genevieve and John are your parents. Both played uh, sports in college, softball and basketball. Yes, who, who, is that where you get all the athleticism? Is it more mom or dad? Um, we always go back and forth about this, but I would say it's more dad. He was a little bit, we say he's a little bit better. He played with uh, AAU basketball with like Chauncey Billups and Tony Gonzalez, those guys. Mm. So, yeah, he knows a little bit of basketball. So that's where I grew up. Most of my time, I didn't really take football serious until my sophomore going to junior year. Uh, it was more just basketball, not really football. I would go out of town all the time for basketball. I actually ended up playing LeBron's son, which was pretty cool. And, you know, LeBron was at the game, so that was awesome for me. So, yes, sir. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. The Cougar Whip Around presented by Marisker e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Speaking of fake, uh, the Pro Bowl is uh, a black football game. Fred Warner is going to be playing in it. Will you watch this? I'll probably watch for a minute because I like the Mannings. I think the Mannings are super hilarious. And so their their personalities will carry this. That, That makes me interested in watching that game. Also, I'll be on a plane, so there's probably more of an opportunity for me to watch that game while I'm a on plane, a plane. like a flat surface? As in an we, airplane. That, oh, an airplane. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I will not watch You're not going to watch it at all? No. Even the Mannings no. involved? No. I'm good. <laughs> okay. I don't, Fair I don't enough. I watch a flag football game. All right. I'm good. Will you watch the Reese's Senior Bowl, though? Yeah. Okay. I'll watch some of that. That leads me I, to this question. Mainly highlights, but yeah. College Football Network's Cam Miller is going to join us in just a bit. Yesterday, he ranked Keaton Slovis as the eighth-best quarterback going into the Big 12. We're hoping he's in the Senior Bowl next year after having a great season. Do you expect Slovis to be higher than number eight in that list of Big 12 quarterbacks at the end of the season? 
We sure hope so. Uh, I'm hoping for top five, top six. Uh, Dylan Gabriel of Oklahoma, Quinn Ewers of Texas, Jalen Daniels of Kansas stick out. Um, Will Howard played really well for Kansas State as they won the Big 12 title. So there's some good quarterbacks coming back. There's some questions, right, for TCU, Oklahoma State. Uh, Spencer Saunders went to Ole Miss. Yeah. Jackson Dart's like, uh, I thought I was the guy here. So, yeah, there's certainly some good quarterbacks in the league. Hoping for top five, top six. I think that would accomplish what BYU needs. If he's ninth or worst, I think BYU's underperformed yeah. and BYU's in trouble. BYU's in a little bit of trouble. Then bowl eligibility is like, mm. Yes. Granted, there are a lot of good teams, a lot of good quarterbacks. For sure. Is BYU men's volleyball back, or are they Texas back? BYU men's volleyball is at, gosh, I don't want to say they're Texas back. Like, it's I just, just feel like that's, that's such a shot. It's just mean. Right? And now we, because, can, now we can throw those a little more uh, relevantly. That's a word now, because I mean, BYU he, Big 12. Yeah, here's the thing. How long has BYU men's volleyball been down, Jerem? A year? One, oh, no. One year. A one whole year. One year. Like, Texas back is like, when was the last time Texas was really, really good? Like, consistently. It's been more than a decade, it's right? It's been a while. It's Colt McCoy. Like, are we going back that far? It's been a, it's it, been a hot minute. It feels that way, right? For as much money so, as they have. So, no, BYU men's volleyball is definitely more back than Texas back. Yeah, they're, get, they're getting they're there. building. It's a couple of wins. I don't want to freak out over a couple yeah. of wins. Like, yeah, BYU's got uh, Ball State Saturday again. UC Santa Barbara coming in next week, who's kind of struggled. One and six, played a tough schedule. They're a top ten team. Yeah, yeah, BYU's going to climb into the top ten, which is great. But BYU's, if, if BYU's outside of the top five, typically that's below the high, high standard yeah. that is BYU men's They're not back until they're back in the top five. Probably. Right? Yeah. An Oklahoma State fan account at awesome. cowpoke underscore you, and he's a great follower, tweeted out the following. Hey, BYU Twitter, Oklahoma State's funeral potatoes are superior to yours. With a Val Kilmer gif with evil eyes. <laughs> Laser eyes. Uh, Jerem, does the funeral potatoes comment make this a rivalry now? Well, They're playing on rivalry weekend. Them is fighting words. Um, and and uh, But it's not like what happened with uh, CFB home today. So Utah football stats analysis said, hey, more, uh, more news from the Groundhog celebration. USC is overrated. BYU won't be bowl eligible. At CFB home tweeted, Utah hasn't beaten BYU in 1,240. <laughs> That is a fantastic tweet and some Groundhog Day content I can get behind. So, yeah, don't you dare make fun of our, our uh, you know, stone-cold soberness, our uh, ice cream, or our funeral potatoes. Yeah. Are we coming for you, Stillwater? And how dare you declare us not bowl eligible at this point? Come how about on. you win a Rose come on, Bowl? Come on. <laughs> Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We're so pleased to have one of the BYU basketball greats an NBA veteran, Travis Hansen, an international star. Can I introduce you as that as well? You had a fantastic international basketball career after your NBA career. You can introduce me however you'd like. So <laughs> I'm just happy to be What's here. What's it like being a beloved former Cougar? I mean, there's a lot of former Cougars that come into the Marriott Center, uh, but there's guys like there's Danny Ains, there's you, there's Jimmer, and some of the other guys where you come in and everyone's like, it's Travis Hansen. Man, was he a this or that. 
What's it like being that? Is that what it's like? I don't know. I, uh, I didn't know we're beloved. Uh, yeah, you're beloved. You're in that group. What did you say? Abs group? Absolutely. You had a 40-inch vertical or whatever it was, Travis. <laughs> I, well, I, I'm very grateful for the opportunities I had to play here. It's just a, you look back, time went by so, flat, so fast, but um, when I think about it, it's one of the most special times of life. So I don't know. I love BOU Nation. I love being part of the BOU family. I look at Danny and Jimmer as my heroes too and the seasons and the years they've had and the careers they've had. So if I'm, if I'm part of that group, that's a dang good group to be a part of. You're part of that group. BYU loses another heartbreaker. I mean, just the Gonzaga and St. Mary's scenarios both sting for sure. We've been asking everyone, you know, which one stings more. So for you as a BYU fan, having watched both those games play out, if you had to pick one that it stings a little bit more than the other. Which which way are you leaning on that conversation? They both sting, <laughs> but they, but they were both awesome at the same time. Because in the St. Mary's game, I thought the way we were going, we couldn't score. We weren't being aggressive. The refs were letting them really come and be uh, physical with us in the perimeter, and we just couldn't get any paint touches. So I thought we're lucky if we don't get beat by 15, 20. Right. And the guys battled, and with three guys out, and the young and inexperienced we have, and I mean, they, they played awesome. It was amazing that they even gave, came as close as they did. And, of course, St. Mary's, once Matthew Delavadova hit that game winner, now they think everyone can hit a game winner in the Mary Center. <laughs> yeah. It unleashed that confidence, and, and that was hard to watch. But that kid's a freshman. That kid, that was a big-time shot for him. Um, so Gonzaga probably hurt more because I think that was more of a winnable game. St. Mary's was surprisingly that we were that close, and, and uh, I, I credit the guys. They they should not have even been in that game, and they did. Did you have, we're looking over your, your career here, um, did you have any buzzer beaters where you were on the short end? Ooh, on the short end? Yeah. I don't remember. I, I, I there were some three-point losses, some four-point losses, and, and especially your, your second year when, when 18 and 12. Right. The team had some ups and downs, but I didn't see any where you were just like, oh, that guy hit a shot and our night was ruined. Moment. No, that was more in the pros. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I don't remember any in college. Um, no, I don't think so. I hope not. Yeah, you brought up the half-court shot you hit, right? Yeah, I hit one. Yeah. yeah. It looked like a baseball throw and somehow it went in. But, <laughs> but it, went in. it all counts the same. But the, the bigger picture conversation I hear think is during that 18 and 12 campaign, you were undefeated at home in, in uh, that season and then 1 and 11 on the road. Um, certainly you went through some tough losses so having gone through that, you know, the emotional ups and downs of something like that, um, what, what advice can you offer up to this team to help them kind of find what they have left in the tank emotionally? They're great. I mean, it's all about progression and getting better every day. And, and lots of the uh, players have gotten so much better throughout the season. They've dealt with injuries and different things. And, and, but it's the culture. It's, it's, it's the experience. It's the leadership. It's uh, it, it, it sometimes – you know, building a team is a lot more art than science. And it takes a personality uh, with some uh, really good leaders, with really good strategy from the coach's side, and some luck to have one of those really, really good special seasons. And so this is a typical where you have a young uh, squad and you have quite a few kids from the transfer portal come in. And it's worked at times and hasn't worked at other times. And that's, I think, I think we, we expected it to work less than it has. And surprisingly, Coach Pope is really, really good. You guys, like Coach Pope is probably one of the top coaches in the nation and one of the top human beings in the nation. And then his staff is awesome. So I, I credit them. They, with, with what they have, what they're able to 
performance wise get out of this squad year after year or the squads they've had has been remarkable. So I think they've overachieved from from where they're at. Really? They're, they've got, what, most of their losses are less than five points on average. Yeah, I mean, nine of the ten losses this season, all single digits. Single yep. digits. They, they play defense unlike previous teams. Yep. Maybe that's what's kept them in the games and given them a chance. Certainly they played D on Saturday, uh, rebounded, took care of the ball a little bit, and all of a sudden they had a chance against St. Mary's. But, but, but defense pa travels, right? You can pack your defense and take it on the road. Steve Fisher used to always say that. Uh, and, and then defense will be the key in the Big 12, won't it? While these other pieces are trying to come together. There's a lot of keys in the Big 12. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, physicality. I mean, uh, you got to have the body and physical attributes. Um, and the Big 12's different. They're bigger, stronger, more athletic. Skill-wise, um, and then and then definitely they're going to have to have some different strategies in order to compete. And defensively, it's going to be big for them. Def defense and rebounding will be huge. So we we got to go get some bigger bigger kids. Okay. The the best squads I've ever been a part of had really good post players. At least one where on the road, wherever you're at, crucial minutes, the guards can't score, the refs are letting them be really physical with you off screens, where you just got to throw it in the post and got to have someone. Someone please be able to back to the basket, aka Drew Timmy, get a yeah. bucket. And BYU needs that. We need that really, really bad. And Foose is close. He's young. He's a little bit undersized, and he, he had some injuries at the beginning of the season. But he's close. He's one of those guys that could be that for us. We need another one. And then, um, and then on on the wings, perimeters, we gotta get a little bit longer, a little bit more athletic, and then just stick to our culture. And the first few years, I think it'll be a little shock going in the Big 12. Sure. Every game will be Gonzaga, so it'll be. We'll see how we adapt. But over after a year or two, you just get used to playing, you know, uh, Baylor and and uh, Kansas every night, and the kids will adapt. You'll, I think, I think Cougar Nation will be surprised how well we we do after the first few few years. Former BYU star and NBA veteran Travis Hansen is with us on BYU Sports Nation. You may have just answered my question because I was going to say at the top of the list, what would you have as the one thing that BYU is missing right now that's going to help them the most next year, and, and maybe it's size a, an experienced big man in the post absolutely yeah yeah in order to consistently win you got to get paint touches and either so you got to have some guards that are really shifting and getting the paint no matter who's guarding them what defense they run at them whether they trap or whatever um double team triangle and two box and one yeah in this offense especially in mark pope's offense you got to have that yep you got to have that and that's just hard consistently defined it's it's easier to find typically a big post and if we can get some post play, some really good guys that can score back to the basket with some perimeters, well, it's hard to it's hard to beat those teams. Let's talk about Dallin Hall, and he's the point guard moving forward, and and he'll be in his prime when Colin Chandler gets back from his mission. But he's not in his prime right now. He just had the best offensive night of his career, but his free throw shooting has been been tough all season long. When you've got a young player trying to do all these different things, including running the offense and taking care of the ball, then having to score to keep your team in the game, and then having the free throw line be your kind of your nemesis. How do you find a happy place with all that going on? I, I'm in my happy place with Dallin Hall. <laughs> Dallin is a, a hooper. He's yeah. he's really really good to come off your mission as a freshman, and I, I think he's a little bit more rigid than he was as a at Fremont in high school. But he's a little bit more stiff. But that 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 loosens up, and I could never have played as well as he's played straight off my mission. So I'm super impressed. Uh, his leadership, his skill, his IQ, his, his ability to play uh, with his teammates and be a great, a great teammate. I mean, sky's the limit for him. We're, we're really, really lucky uh, we have him this year because we would have had a rough year without him. He's a good enough shooter, but by the time he's done, 
88% type free throw shooter. The point guard is typically the best free throw shooter on the team. That seems to be the one area that's maybe got the most mission rest. Yeah, I don't see any flaws in his shot. I think his, his shot foundationally looks good. I think he just needs to add a little bit more arch, get a 45 degree angle on there, and it's just flat. You know, sometimes mentally you're exhausted. You haven't, you haven't got those reps in at the free throw line. They, you know, I'm, I'm in New York playing against the Knicks, and Alan Houston comes up to me, and I'm at the free throw line. He says, what do you think about when you shoot the free throw? I'm like, I don't know, back of the rim? You know, I'd never really thought, like, front of the rim, back of the rim, one of those, you know. <laughs> and he says, you're not supposed to think about anything when you shoot. I said, nothing? He said, no, it's supposed to be so consistent, so repetitious, that you get up and you just don't think about anything. You're, you're the zen. Oh my. So I think Dallin is just not that zen yet. Okay. He'll get there for <laughs> sure. If his one weakness is free throws, uh, we're sitting really well because that's something he can he can improve sure. pretty quickly. That's a great story. Alan Houston, I mean, we talk about an all-time shooter. He could play. That dude, special, special player. Yep. Yeah. My, it's, yeah, 78% my free throws, and then th throughout the rest of my career, it was like 80, 88. Because you stopped thinking. Yeah, found I found your thinking. zen, Travis. So I, got, I found that zen. Alan, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> that's, some, that's some early BYU Sports Nation karma. I, I, that's absolutely right. Alan Houston right. in New York. Travis, we'll finish with this. BYU, understandably in a tough place emotionally right now, given the tough losses on the road to Santa Clara and San Francisco, and then you come home and you battle and lose just a heartbreaker to your longtime rival in St. Mary's. And now here comes LMU, who just beat Gonzaga in Spokane. They're in third place. They're coming to the Marriott Center, riding a wave of confidence. If you're in that locker room talking to the BYU guys, what are you saying? You're added to the staff. What's your message to the team to get them right for Thursday and a really good LMU team? Added to the best locker room in America staff? Added to the – oh, man, I'd be excited. I, 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 would, I would dive into film. You know, a margin of error and, and you know, today's game is just so small. And, and it's the loose balls. It's the 50-50 balls. It's the free throws. It's the little things. So the fact that we're in the games is the best message ever. You're in the games. You're competing defensively, offensively, whatever it is that's getting us there. And so I would just dive into the film and let these guys see the mistakes they're making and some of the opportunities they've missed and, and some of the reads they're missing. There's just a few reads coming off the screen. This guy was open. You didn't see it. The window was there, but it closed too fast. That they can adapt and adjust and put them in self, uh, their team and themselves in a position to close out games a little bit better. They're super close. But I would, I would definitely make my way into the film room and get ready for LMU. You're always welcome to be an analyst on BYU TV. Thank you know you. that, right? Thank you. Like you can, there's, there can be a zen here for you as well. <laughs> Thank you. In the actual game, you can come down from your seat and just sit right with me and Blaine yeah. and Spencer on the sideline and just lay it out, whatever yeah. you want. Yeah, no problem. Hey, thanks for hanging out <laughs> with us on BYU Sports Nation. At this point, uh, we're all hoping for the NIT. I think that's an attainable goal. Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited. Team. BYU, you should be excited. Pope in the house, Big 12 coming up. Ride this season out and let's, let's get excited for next. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. BYU with a stunner against LMU. Not that they won the game. BYU was actually favored to win the game, but only by three or four points. Not by 28, Jeremy. Awesome. Utter domination Fantastic. against the third-place team in conference. What's trending, as always, presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. BYU was in seventh place in the WCC going into last night. There's just a logjam in the middle of the conference. 
After last night's games played out, the Cougars are now in fifth place, just one game back of LMU. Mm -hmm. Pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. So with that said, do you see BYU turning a corner, and can they make a legitimate run at a top-four seed in the West Coast Conference Tournament? They certainly can. It will require uh, some really good play down the stretch, like a no-slip-ups situation. Ken Palm has BYU favored in four of the six. The two they are not are obviously at Gonzaga at St. Mary's. If BYU were able to pull one of those two off, amazing. I don't expect BYU to win those games because I think the Marriott Center magic was strong. BYU rose to the occasion, almost beat them at home, didn't quite get it. BYU is one of two teams that have lost to ranked teams by one point this year with Michigan State. Tough stat, BYU showed that it can play uh, with them. BYU seems to kind of elevate with the good teams and sometimes go down with some of the lesser teams. Um, But BYU is in a situation where If they can summon some sustainable parts of what happened last night, which was mostly defensive, the offense stuck out, the efficiency, the lack of turnovers, 10%, by the way, Cougar Sat saying the lowest against a D1 opponent this year by turnover percentage. Yeah. That was awesome. But it was the defense, which is now 25th in the country by efficiency, that is sustainable. Solid. Sometimes you don't shoot well. That was awesome. So I I think BYU's probably going to land as the five seed. That would be my guess. Yeah, like an eight and eight. Nine and seven kind of situation. If they are four and two or three and three, that will kind of dictate what happens here. But I, I'm confident that there's certain pieces of what BYU did last night that can continue. BYU is going to play Pacific tomorrow. You mentioned they're surging. They, they've been up and down. BYU uh, beat them by 20, allowing 49 points in the first West Coast Conference game, which feels like a million years ago. There's that defense in December, right? Um, and then offensively, six nine, whatever. You only need 50 to win. Pacific is a team that you take care of at home. You got to take care of Santa Clara and San Francisco at home. You got to win at Pepperdine. Oh, and ten in the league. Like they've been terrible. I know they're long and talented, and it's weird. Firestone Fieldhouse has been weird. It's it doesn't been matter. Weird. They're zero and ten in the league. Like go win there, team. right? Got to beat that team. And then I, I think BYU is in a position to perhaps be as high as four. I don't see BYU at three. I think that's probably Santa Clara's or LMU's spot. And then fours, maybe one of the five is probably where BYU lands. But four would be amazing, all things considered. Um, the emotions of what's happened in these close games. Earlier in the season, losing uh, go, uh, to South Dakota and UVU. The Bay Area road trip, which was super detrimental to BYU's pursuit of the three seed. We're not even talking about the three. We're talking about top four. There's still some good to be had here. And remember, last night was huge. If BYU lost last night, I'm thinking maybe NIT's not in the cards. NIT's in the cards now with the LMU win and with the positivity that came out of sure, that game. Sure, sure. Yeah, BYU's resume overall has some quality there. Yeah. They needed to beat LMU, and the way that they beat LMU last night was really, really important. I can't believe I've reached the point, but we're here in February. No, don't do it. No, I, I'm telling you. I, this is legitimately what I did for an hour last night, no. okay? I went through the remaining schedules of each and every one of the West Coast Conference teams to just project like, oh, okay. what's th- most I, likely to happen. I thought you were going to take NIT breakfast. No, 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 no. Which I, I looked up last week and I felt I, – I actually called <laughs> my bishop and I said, I need to confess something. <laughs> okay. And then I compared it to what Ken Pomeroy is projecting all these teams to finish out. And it's pretty close, but yeah. I, I am convinced that 9-7 and seven is going to be the fourth-place finisher. If BYU is 9-7 – Could be. Seven, fifth, that was fifth last year for BYU. They will finish in fourth place. It, it is crazy. Yeah. And I've gotten to the point where I'm like, uh, now I'm looking at, okay, which teams am I rooting for in each of these games? <laughs> On Saturday, BYU want wants San Francisco to beat Santa Clara, okay? Because Santa Clara has won 
fewer loss or one less loss than San Francisco. They would both have six losses if San Francisco wins tomorrow. And BYU, if they beat Pacific, they would be six and I five. Can't wait to not discuss this. Right? Year. As I'm telling you, in fourth place, okay? Don't care what happens between Gonzaga and St. Mary's. They're the top two teams. Like, they're going to finish as the top I want St. Mary's to win the league this year. Okay. I'm like pro St. Mary's. All right. I don't know why. And uh, you should root for San Diego to beat LMU. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Right? We, we want, yes, the dregs, which are San Diego and Pepperdine. They've got to clip a couple of the guys. If, B, if LMU loses to San Diego and BYU beats Pacific, the Cougars are in a tie for third place with LMU at, at six and five, which yes. is just nuts. Yes, and maybe third place is like a six or seven loss team this year as opposed to kind of four or five. Yeah. Ten, if you win ten games in this league this year, you'll finish third. It yeah. doesn't matter who it is. Like, if, if a team gets two 10 wins, yeah. they will be the BYU's third place team. not getting to 10. They, they would require beating St. Mary's or Gonzaga on the road. I just don't see that it. Is a, and that not is slipping up any but where else. Yeah. But the point is, they can make a legitimate run at that fourth place yeah. finish yeah. because there's so much parity in the conference. I'm thinking five. I'm thinking there's one slip up against non-St. Mary's Gonzaga somewhere. If not, though... Top four, baby. It'd be nice. It'd be nice. Show up on Saturday. Yes, to get there. And Not Friday. Start, start on Saturday. Topic two. Multiple reports say Texas and Oklahoma probably aren't leaving before the two-year window of 2025 to the SEC at this point. So, is having the Longhorns and Sooners in the new Big 12 good or bad for the conference? And if it is bad, tell me why. Uh, it's good for the conference because you have yes. national brands that are sticking around. I know that there's a little bit of weirdness because they're a divorced partner of sorts, and yeah. they're just waiting for... The, the documents and the yeah. papers to be signed You're so living that the, in the divorce same house. can become official. See it's each other weird. at breakfast. It's a little weird. It's weird. In Texas and Oklahoma, I believe up to this date, still have not like put out their own announcement about the Big 12 schedule. They just kind of retweeted what the Big 12 did. They didn't? Yeah, that's as far as I know. As far as I looked this morning. <laughs> They're like... Oh, yeah, yeah, here's what oh, the Big like, 12 hey, said. Georgia won the national title. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> so... They're not super excited about it, but it, it's good for the conference, and it's, it's fun for BYU fans to because based on BYU being the only team of the newcomers to get both Texas and Oklahoma, fans across BYU Sports Nation were stoked because we thought, oh, this is going to be the last year, and BYU got both of them. Well, now there's a chance that BYU is going to host Texas in 2025, and, and the prospect of that is really nice. Yeah. And playing, I want BYU to play at Oklahoma to have that experience. Yeah, 100%. Like, have, go to that historic stadium and setting and play in Norman. Yeah. Uh, why wouldn't this be good? Huge brands, national interests, most of the time, really good teams. Texas is relevant no matter what they do. Even if they suck, they're relevant. Oklahoma has been the best team in the Big 12 since 2000, one of the best uh, teams in the country. How many New Year's Six games since 2000 do you think they've been to? I looked it up this morning. I was shocked by the number. I'm guessing like 13 or 14. 17! 17! New Year's Six games. They're unbelievable! Why would it ever be bad to have Oklahoma in the Big 12 the next two years? I think it's going to be great. It's going to be fun in basketball. It's going to be fun in all the sports. I want them in two years. Texas can afford it. Oklahoma can't. Oklahoma can't afford to leave early. Texas... Just writes a check from that away money. They, they don't, don't care. care. They don't care. No, no, yeah, it's weird. They're, yeah, they're getting divorced. We're waiting for the paperwork. But you might as well just make it as entertaining and with as much national yes. power as you possibly can. BYU and Norman will be really fun in 2024. Let's, let's make that happen. Let's hope that happens. I hope the conference, after making Oklahoma come to Provo in late November, <laughs> it's like maybe we should give Oklahoma, we should throw them a bone and, and have BYU back in Norman next year. So, or not. Throw BYU a bone? Yeah. They owe nothing to Texas and Oklahoma.
That's true. Well, they owe a lot of great years, but now they're upset. Our question of the day. Uh, it centers on basketball, and Big 12 basketball is going to be something. Holy cow. I can't wait to talk about Kansas State and uh, Oklahoma State. <sighs> and everybody. All the teams. Baylor, Kansas. Gonna be great. But first, it's the West Coast Conference and the West Coast Conference Tournament. Will BYU be a top-four seed at this year's WCC Tournament? They're in fifth place right now. Why or why not? Brendan Smith on Twitter says, yes, if BYU can finish the rest of the regular season playing like they did last night. Okay, let's be honest. Is BYU going to play like last night, the remaining six? No. No. Can they gather several sustainable elements from that? Yes. And they can take advantage of playing on their home court against San Francisco and Santa Clara. Absolutely. And Pacific. If you, yes. Dave McCann's tweet is true. If BYU played like that, they'd win the league last night. But that was a high. That was an amazing performance coming off three losses. You grab a few things that work, mostly on defense, I think. Yeah. And like Jackson Robinson coming off the bench was a wrinkle. That was really nice. And LMU's Maybe big, that's big man was forward. injured. Like BYU took advantage of them not having their big size in the yeah. post. Yeah. So there are things there, but yeah. Let's hope for every game. Rick Asansa is not a 28-point difference, though. Let's not give that guy too much credit. Jeez. Couldn't agree more. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.